Well, good morning. All right, we're going to try it one more time, okay? Good morning. Amen. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. I tell you what I love about this bumper uh, more than anything else. I love how convincingly uh, Dustin plays the weird uncle. Any good at that? I think he was born for that role. Uh, If you see him, be sure to tell him I said that, okay? And if you got your Bible, go ahead and open to Deuteronomy chapter six. I'm going to pray for us up front. I think God um, has a lot that he wants to do in and among his uh, people this morning through his word. And we've got a lot of ground to cover. So I'm going to pray for us and set the stage. And I pray that you could uh, just join me um, as you get finished getting to Deuteronomy. Pray with me really quick. Father, I stop uh, here at the forefront of this message, God, and put everything back in your hands, dear Father, as we open your word to hear um, how you would have us live, how you would have us function, how you would have us um, teach our children about you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us this morning that is so bold, so powerful that it changes the way we live, think, and act. Lord, I pray that it does that for me. And Lord, I pray that where I fall short of this word, you would um, forgive me and wash me clean, Lord, and uh, just draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we continue on in our series, Full House, what we uh, are doing in this series is really looking at God's design for the family. Today we're going to see how God's design moves past uh, an individual claim on our lives and moves to uh, a claim on our lives and our families as a whole. So in other words, God moves past calling for the lives of individuals and calls for the entire family to function in such a way that it follows him. Now, here's what that means. God, a lot of times when we think about our relationship with God, we think about it being something very personal, something that's just between us and God. Uh, God, the God of the Bible is a God that comes for everything. Okay, like he's not just content to have uh, one person or or one part of the family. No, God's design is to have the entire family. Like he's coming for everything. And that's what we're going to see here in Deuteronomy chapter six. I set it up last week uh, for our gathering over at Harrison Bridge. I set it up this way just so we can all be on the same page. When we think about what God's design is for the family, I think of it in these terms. God intends for the family unit to revolve around knowing and loving him and being an invitation for others to do the same. So I want to leave that up there for just a second. I want us to to think about that. I want us to flesh that out. What I am telling you this morning is that God has a design, uh, maybe a better word, is God has a purpose for how our families, no matter what your family looks like, is supposed to function. I know we have uh, just a, a, a hodgepodge of different kinds of families, even in a room like this, right? We have mixed families. We have traditional families. We have young families. We have old families. Maybe you your kids are not at home anymore. It does not matter what kind of family you are down to being a single person this morning. Okay. God has designed, God intends the family unit to be accomplishing this purpose that as a family, we would be people, we would be a group, we would be uh, people after God's heart, loving him and inviting other people to love him. So church, 
Before we even dive into the scripture, here's what I want to do. I want to throw that question out and ask us, is this the purpose for which we are living in our families? Like maybe a better way to even think of it is this. How often, this is for everybody, but to parents specifically, parents, how often do you actually give thought to this? Like, hey, this is my purpose as a parent, right? How often do we give thought to that? Because here's the deal. I know personally what happens with me a lot is like the routine of life starts to happen, right? And, and you, you wake up in the morning and your day just becomes go, 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 right? And so often I don't even think about this stuff, right? Like very often, not very often does it actually happen that I wake up in the morning, right? My wife's a school teacher. We got to get out of the house early. It's not very often that I stop in the middle of making breakfast and I'm like, you know what? My purpose today as a parent is to teach my family to love God and invite others to do the same. You know, most of the time I'm saying something like, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned, right? Like I'm trying to get my four-year-old out of the door, right? And she's arguing with her mom about what dress she wants to wear that day. My, her mom's got to go, right? Like there's not a lot of times where I'm thinking about my family's purpose. But I'm here to tell you this morning, what we're going to see in scripture in Deuteronomy chapter six is a design for our family that we need to begin to revolve ourselves around. And according to this scripture, what we're going to see is that parents hold the primary responsibility for training their children in the ways of God. So ultimately, as we talk about accomplishing God's design for the family, today what I'm going to do is put a lot of pressure, and listen, this is not a bad thing, on the parents in the room, all right, myself included, to be accomplishing God's design for our family because ultimately it comes back down to us. Now, in other words, what, what God's going to show us here is that we are responsible for making sure that our families revolve around knowing and loving God and contributing to the advancement of God's kingdom. We have to reprioritize things to make sure this is the direction we're heading in. And now listen, here's what I know, right? Pastor gets up, starts preaching about, hey man, you need to make sure your family's revolving around God. And here's what that feels like. It feels like it's separated from reality, right? That, okay, yeah, I know you're supposed to say that because you're the preacher, but life is hard and I don't understand how my family can actually do this. Listen, I don't think God put this in here as something that's unachievable. I think God put this in here because he really expects, he really intends for us to have families that are dedicated to saying, God, whatever you want in the life of our family, we'll give it to you. So let's talk about how this works. Deuteronomy chapter six, start reading with me in verse four. Here's what the Bible says. This is called the Shema. It was a foundational passage for the people of Israel. Here's what the Bible says. Hear, O Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. All right? That is a claim on the individual person. We talked about that last week. This is what God expects of individuals. Now it's going to move from the individual into the family unit. Read with me. Verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates 
So here's what, here's what the Bible is laying out here. As we move past God's design for the individual and go into God's design for the family, Moses actually spells out for us a way that practically in our actual lives, we can make sure our families are revolving around God. Like this is not a dream. This is not something that exists in an alternate reality where you're a better parent, okay? This is something that exists in this reality and, and what God intends for our day-to-day lives to be. So here's what I want us to notice a couple things uh, from this text. The first thing I want us to see about how God's designed the family and family discipleship, I want us to notice this. Discipleship starts with relationship. Discipleship starts with relationship. Now, let me just explain to you really quick what I mean by the term discipleship. Discipleship means that we are learning to follow Jesus, okay? So let, let me just give you a little, uh, a little breakdown here. It doesn't matter if you have a family or not. This message is for you if you wanna learn how to follow Jesus better, okay? But the first thing we need to see is that discipleship starts with a relationship. You know, true, if I can just be honest with you guys, I read this passage this week over and over and over again, because as I read it, I just felt like, God, I don't understand how I can live this out practically, God. This just seems like too much to do. It seems too hard until I noticed verse six again as I was reading through it. Look with me at verse six. I want you to see something. Verse six says this, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I want you to notice something, that the outworking of pointing our family towards God starts as a result of what is happening in our hearts. See, now we, we, gotta, we gotta do a little redefining of terms here. When I use the word heart, a lot of times in our Western culture, especially in, in American culture, we start thinking about heart and love and we start, we start getting like the Nicholas Sparks thing going on, right? And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. If you like Nicholas Sparks, I watched The Notebook. It was a great movie, okay? But it's talking about something a little bit different than just like the Nicholas Sparks, Taylor Swift kind of love here, okay? Y'all, y'all are impressed, teenage girls, that I could do the t- Taylor Swift heart, right? It's talking about something more than just that kind of heart. See, to the, to the Hebrew people, the, the heart was the center of the being. The heart was the center of our, our volition, our affections, our emotions. It, it represents all that we are. And so what's happened, what Moses is saying here is that the word of God, our relationship with God is supposed to be the central thing in our own life that leads to discipling our family. You notice what he doesn't start with. He doesn't start with, hey, teach your kids about the word of God and keep them in your heart. That's the reverse order of what he actually does. He says, keep these things in your heart and then teach them about your children. Here's what Moses is getting at. Here's what Moses knows. That uh, that what is happening in our heart automatically and naturally overflows to our children. It, it, It just, you can't help it. This is why I have never one time had to teach my daughter that Georgia football is the greatest football team in the world, right? And now she's four years old and she irrationally believes it, right? Like when we start, if you want to talk college football, she will fight you that Georgia is the better team, right? And I'm like, baby, we're... We, we choke a lot. Like you, I'm trying to like let her down easy now. Why? Because she has picked up on something that is the overflow of my heart. It just, it happens naturally. And so it's important to see here. This is, this is really important if we're going to make ground later, okay? It's important for us to see this and understand because we have to understand that the instructions surrounding the Shema aren't just a prescription for repetition of religious activity. 
okay? This is not the Bible telling us, hey, you need to do these things. You need to do these things all the time, and if you do these things all the time, then God will be happy with you, okay? That's not what Moses is saying here. What the, what's actually happening is the instructions surrounding the Shema are also meant to be a description of life when all that we are is surrounded to God, surrendered to God. In other words, what he's saying is, keep these words on your heart, and then you will do these things naturally. It is an if-then argument. You see, this is the overflow of our relationship with God. Discipleship starts when we, on this side of the cross, look to what Jesus Christ has done for us, and then with the forgiveness and the new heart that he provides, we begin to pursue him with our lives and then urge our families to do the same. So before we can start talking about leading our family, we have to understand this. Discipleship starts with relationship. And Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, cross, rose again on the third day so that you could be born again, so that you could have a relationship with him. So I just want to ask you this morning, church, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if not, the rest of this sermon is irrelevant. If you have never been made new, born again by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, you can teach your kids all you want to about the Bible and it doesn't make a difference because discipleship starts with relationship. And I think the reason that so many of us are failing at family discipleship is because we don't have a relationship to begin with. So I'm not gonna rush past this. I want you to, to begin to question right now, not, not in a negative way, but begin to really consider whether you have surrendered everything to Jesus. Because until these words are on your heart, your kids will never hear them on their ears. So discipleship starts with relationship. That's the first thing I say. Now with all that said, we need to begin to ask ourselves, what does family discipleship, what does it look like for me to teach my family to follow Jesus? What does that actually look like, okay? And, and now listen, I'll tell you a little bit more about this, about this about the, at the end, but I'm not coming up here as an expert today, okay? As a matter of fact, if you look at my life, you would probably be convinced this is what not to do, okay? But based on scripture, we need to ask ourselves, what does family discipleship look like? And I think there are a few things we should notice about how we should be teaching our children to follow Jesus. Here's the first thing. Discipleship is diligent. Parents should be diligent. Notice what the Bible says in verse seven. And Moses says this, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, what does that word diligence mean? Now, anything that is diligent is intentional. Diligence doesn't just happen by accident. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody just wakes up one day and says, well, I'm gonna be diligent today. No, diligence is something that we have to decide to have. It's something that we have to be intentional about. We have to decide whether or not we're going to teach our children the words of God. It doesn't, that, nothing in life just happens. We have to decide whether or not we're going to train our children. Because that is what this scripture is getting at. When, when Moses uses the term diligence, he's using a word here that invokes the training of children. The idea here is to intentionally put our children through a training camp that prepares them to love God and live for God. 
That our, our home should be training camps. Everybody know what a training camp is, right? If you're a college football fan, you definitely know. We have what's called spring training, right? What do you do? You take the team off. You put them in a secluded place. You put them in a, a place where they can focus on nothing but preparing, right? This is also what fighters do before a big fight. They, they go off, right? And they, they get in isolation, right? And they spend time preparing. And our homes are supposed to be like that. The, the most famous example of a training camp in 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 Western culture, it definitely comes from those great films, all 17 of the Rocky movies. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Any Rocky fans in here? Listen, I can pick on how many Rockies there are. You don't get to pick on them, okay? Rocky is, Rocky is like one of the American icons, okay? But I, when I think of training camps, I think of Rocky Four, right? One of the greatest movies simply ever made, okay? And everybody knows what happens in Rocky Four. The Russian kills Apollo, right? And then Rocky goes off to train in Russia. And man, it, this movie has one of the best training montages I've ever seen, right? Rocky puts on a leather jacket and runs in the snow up the side of a mountain, right? And he's like boxing, like, and I'm just watching this, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, right? And then at the end of the training montage, he grabs the Russian's picture and like crumbles it up, and every American who's ever watched that is like, yeah, that's awesome, right? It's just this great scene. And, and here's, why, here's why I go into all this. That's what our homes are meant to be. They're meant to be training camps where our kids come through and we're preparing them to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word here for diligent actually means, it, it, it actually means to sharpen a knife intentionally. So the idea here that when Moses says, teach your children diligently these things, the idea is that you would have a knife in your hand and a whetstone and you're sharpening that knife. And you see your child as, that, as a knife that you're preparing and every day you're sharpening and every day you're working on that thing because every day you want your child to be a little bit sharper so that when they go out into the world, they can cut the world open for Jesus. The problem is we're putting out kids that can't cut. We're putting out dull kids because we haven't intentionally been training them. We haven't intentionally been discipling them. And here's the deal. Then they get to places like college and they're dull and somebody's all the too willing to sharpen them up. But it's none of the stuff you want them to be sharpened with. You see, as parents, we have to identify times, create routines, take opportunities to see every day is a chance we can sharpen our children in the things of God. Now, here's the problem with that, okay? The problem with that is that discipleship is often long, tiring, difficult, and unentertaining work. You know, the, I think we start thinking about teaching our families the thing of God and we have this grandiose image that we're all gonna get together, right? And we're gonna say, okay, guys, it's time to read the Bible tonight. And then the, the, the dove of the Spirit of God's gonna come down and there's gonna be an angel playing harps, right? And the problem is that's not how discipleship works. Discipleship is something that, ha that is hard and oftentimes unentertaining. And what happens is it lulls us to sleep. I explained it to Harrison Bridge last week this way. It's like being put in highway hypnosis. Anybody know what highway hypnosis is? It's a very real thing, okay? Highway hypnosis is when you get in your car and you're traveling a path that you've traveled multiple times, right? And you're so familiar with it that your brain shuts off and just goes through the motions without you even thinking about it, 
okay? I remember this happened to me one time as a teenager. I was coming home late at night and I, I had driven this seven mile road so many times in my life that when I turned off and pulled in my driveway and like snapped out of the hypnosis, it scared me so bad that I literally stopped the truck, right? Because in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, I've literally been asleep at the wheel. I don't know how I got here. That ever happened to anybody? Yeah, it, it's a super real thing, right? Here's what I think's happening. In our homes, we've just done the same thing. We've fallen asleep at the wheel. Like God has given us these kids, God has given us this responsibility to be diligently sharpening ourselves every day, to be training our children in, in the words of God and the things of God, but it's long, hard, tired work and we just get familiar with the routine and all of a sudden we fall asleep at the wheel. We cannot let autopilot take over when it comes to teaching our children the things of God. We cannot fall asleep at the wheel because God has designed our families to be places where we're intentionally training, uh, training each other to go out and live on mission to God. So church, I just wanna ask you this morning, I asked you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Now I wanna ask you, how diligent you, are you in pursuing Jesus? Nothing just happens. Parents, how diligent are you in, in teaching your children? because nothing just happens. So the first thing we, I want us to see about family discipleship is that it should be diligent. The second thing I want you to see is that it should be consistent. Look with me at verse seven one more time. Verse seven says this, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And listen, this is a, this is a super descriptive verse, okay? Listen to this. He says, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Now, I want you to notice the consistency here. It's descriptive of all of life. Moses basically says, I don't care whether you're sitting down, standing up, walking, driving in a car, like asleep and just woke up, like every opportunity is a discipleship opportunity. The objective of loving God and living for God and being focused on the word of God is the thread that connects every area of life for the believer. You see, Moses doesn't leave out any area of life. He says it doesn't matter what you're doing, you should be focused on loving God, pleasing God, and, and learning more about God, right? And so here's what this means. Like, just go ahead and put it in practical, modern terms for us. Here's what this means. That there is nothing in our life that should not be about making sure we're loving God, living for God, and pleasing God. So it doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't, it means it doesn't matter whether you're at the grocery store picking up groceries, it doesn't matter whether you're at the travel ball field for the 17th time that week. It doesn't matter whether you're at a high school graduation. Every moment is intended to be a discipleship moment. Now, this leads to one massive implication for parents, okay? Discipleship, teaching our children to love God, is the primary responsibility of the parent. Notice what verse 7 says. It says, you shall teach them. Notice what it doesn't say. It does not say the youth minister shall teach them. It does not say the lead pastor or the campus pastor or the discipleship pastor. It does not say they shall teach them. It says you shall teach them. Here's the thing about discipleship. If you want your child to follow God, it cannot be outsourced. But the problem is in our, in our modern church world and especially in our Western church world, what's happened is, is parents have, be, have started to assume that our purpose as parents is to prepare our children for the world 
And the church's responsibility is to make sure they know and love Jesus. So get this, then we're surprised when our children care about everything else that the world has to offer, but don't care anything about Jesus. Because here's the deal, they don't care what I think. They care what you think. So, and I just wanna ask it to you this way, parents. If we brought your child in here right now, and they said, and I said, to your parent, what is the most important thing that they want from you for life? Like, what, it, the most important thing. What would their answer be? Because here's the deal. I grew up with good parents, right? They loved Jesus. They, they encouraged me to follow Jesus. But there were, prob- there were times growing up where I thought the most important thing probably was that I got a good education and got a good job. When, at, when actually, at every step of the way, as parents, we should be t- teaching our kids that the most important thing is that you know Jesus, you love Jesus, and you follow Jesus. And here's the, pro- the problem with that. It can't be done in a moment. That's not something that you can do instantly. I think we get this kind of mixed up with what happens in salvation, right? Because if I said this morning, do you wanna have a relationship with Jesus? And then I called you down and and I prayed with you. So you get saved in a moment. And I think we kind of think that's how discipleship happens. That if you just, our kids are just gonna decide in a moment to follow Jesus and it's gonna be perfect from that point on. But that's not how discipleship works. You see, discipleship is something that has to be done continuously over and over and over again. As we go, as we ride in the car, as we get up and go to church, as we go to all these events as a family, what we're doing as parents is we're constantly looking for opportunities to say, this is what Jesus wants and this is what I want for you. So parents, I'm just gonna ask you, how consistent are you? How diligent are you? How intentional are you? How consistent are you? Something that can't be outsourced. Last thing I want us to see is this. I want us to see that discipleship is focused. Discipleship is focused. Look at verse eight with me one more time. As parents, we have to be focused. Look at verse eight. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Here's what I want you to see and we're gonna talk about how we apply this practically, Okay. I want you to see that the focus of discipleship is the word of God. It's what God says. So your primary job as a parent, listen to me parents, is to be teaching your children what God says. Now, let me clarify this a little bit. It's not just to teach them to read the Bible, okay? I want you to notice what's going on. The, the Jews kind of took this very, very seriously, okay? And so after they, read, after they heard this commandment from God, what a lot of them did was they created this funny little box and they put it on top of their head and they had, it was like a scroll they would roll out and then they would read the scripture and they literally bound it between their eyes. I don't think that's what God intends us to get from the scripture because this isn't necessarily about reading scripture, It's about teaching our children what scripture says. Because get this, the Jews, when they got this, most of them couldn't have read scripture to start with. They they were an illiterate people at the time, right? So this is not about just reading scripture. This is about teaching our children what scripture says. In other words, this is about building our family on what the Bible says and not what the world says. Because we want our kids to see who God is, what God says, and why it matters for their life. 
That's, that's the main goal in discipleship. We want our kids to see who God is, what God says, and why it matters for their life. And focusing on God's word teaches our children who God is. Listen, the world is trying to teach our children who God is, and the world's got a messed up definition of who God is. Right? They can't put a sentence together about who God actually is. And I want my daughter, I want my four-year-old to know that this is who the Bible says God is, the all-powerful king over all the universe who came to earth and died on the cross for your sins. So we have to focus on what the Word of God says. Focusing on God's Word teaches our children who has the authority. You see, we live in a world that's constantly teaching our children to question authority and who has the ultimate authority. And the world's trying to tell our kids that they are the, their own authority in their own life. And let me just give you a little spoiler alert, that never ends well. And we want our children to know that, listen, although we may not understand everything God tells us, that God is the ultimate authority over our lives. And ultimately, focusing on God's word teaches our children that God is better than anything else this world has to offer. And I want to be real clear about this. Parents especially, listen to me. I'm not encouraging you to teach your child what the Word of God says because I want you to have a well-behaved child. The end goal of Christian parenting is not well-behaved children. Praise God, I may yet be able to please God if that's not the end goal, okay? The end goal of Christian parenting is not well-behaved children. The end goal of Christian parenting is have cho having children who know and love God with all their hearts. And so I want, I'm, I'm encouraging you in this this morning because I want your kid to have something better than anything else this world can offer them. I want my kid to have that. So ultimately, the focus of discipleship is building our lives on what the Word of God says. Now, as we close here, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a couple moments and just have some application, okay? Like, where, kind of answer this question. Where do we go from here, okay? Dallas, you're telling me that discipleship should be intentional, it should be consistent, it should be focused, but you said that I can actually do this in my everyday life, practically, all right? So let, let's have a couple of just application points. Where do we go from here? Here's the first thing I, I think we need to do. I think we need to build some intentional, repeatable times with God in our children's lives. Intentional, repeatable times with God. Now listen, this can be any number of things. Church is one of them. So if you're bringing your kid to church, congratulations, you've already got one intentional, repeatable time with God. Now here's what I wanna do. I wanna encourage you to continue building those in your life. Create moments where you can continually point your kids back. Now, I, I'm just going to tell you one way this works in my household. You don't have to do this in your household, okay? And, and listen, if I can just be honest, if you can come up with a better way, tell me, okay? But intentional, repeatable times uh, in the Wilson household look like this right now. Right now, Danny's got her um, new living translation Bible, right? It reads, it reads like a fifth grade level where she can understand it, okay? Well, she can't really understand it, but I have to explain it to her. But okay, you get what I'm saying? So we're going to re we're preaching through the book of Philippians, okay, in, in the in the summer here. And so what I've been doing, me, Jen, and Danny get together in in the living room right before we go to bed at night. And listen, don't put some picture in your head about how the spirit of God comes in the living room. All right, most of the time, like I'm getting emails, Danny singing songs about like chocolate fudge or something, and my wife's on her phone. All right, and I'm like, okay, dear God, please give us all patience. All right. And so don't get any images. We all get in there and, and we're like, okay, we're gonna take three minutes. That's all this takes is literally three minutes, right? We read one verse of Philippians right now. 
Okay, she's four. I'm not giving her the whole chapter. She doesn't need to know that live, to live as Christ, to die as gain is, is there yet. All right, we're going to get there. But we read one verse, right? Broke it down, Philippians chapter one, verse one. Uh, uh, servants of Christ, Paul and Timothy to the uh, saints who are in Christ Jesus uh, in Philippi, right? So we stop. That's one verse of Philippians chapter one, verse one. Here's what we do. Danny, that, do you understand what any of that means? Nope, no clue, all right? Here's the thing, she shouldn't. That's why we're the teachers, okay? Danny, this is what it says, that Paul and Timothy wrote this letter to the book of Philippians to the church that is at Philippi. Danny, who wrote the book of Philippians? Well, Paul and Timothy. Okay, good. She's singing about chocolate fudge the whole time. It hasn't stopped. So I'm, I'm explaining she's still singing, okay? Then I say, okay, she's, they're writing it where, Danny? To the book of, uh, to the people at Philippi. Okay, good. Close the Bible, let's pray, one day, three minutes. Nothing insane. Hear, hear, me, hear me, guys, you can do that. I'm, I'm not a super Christian. Like, it took three minutes, and I said, like, two or three bad words in the whole experience, I had to pray about it later, okay? <laughs> like, but here's the deal, it's hard. But you, you can do it. Now, here's the thing, you're gonna do it, and you're gonna be like, man, the preacher lied to me. This is worthless. My kid's not listening. My kid's singing songs about chocolate fudge now. I don't know how it spread, right? And you're gonna think, preacher lied to me, and you're gonna think this is of no use. And here's what I say. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. One day, one week, one month don't make a difference. Years make a difference. And now listen to me. I, I, I've been, I, I was discouraged with this. We were riding down the road in the car the other day, and I had on a, um, a, a commencement ceremony where a guy was preaching from Philippians chapter one. And he, he literally, the guy preaching said these words. He said, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter one and let's see what God has to say there. And when I said it, Danny said, stop, 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 stop. Literally probably 10 times. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm like, what is going on? So me and my wife, we pressed, we turned the volume down. We turn around and here's what she says. Daddy, he said Philippians? Yeah, that's what he said, Danny. Well, that means that's, the, from the, that's from Paul. Paul wrote that in Timothy, and they're writing it to the church at Philippi. I was like, you're four years old, and you're a genius, right? That's exactly what that means. <laughs> you know when she learned that? In three minutes, one night, when I was praying for God to forgive me because I was having a bad attitude about reading the Bible. You can do it. Create intentional, repeatable times. And listen, this just isn't for family discipleship. If you want to know Jesus more, this is what you have to do. You have to create intentional, repeatable times that you can get along with God. So that's the first thing. Second thing is simply this. We need to start prioritizing. Hear me say this, guys. In 10 years, I, Pat Gillen says this all the time, and I think it's beautiful. In 10 years, your child will not be doing what they're doing right now. All right? Travel ball, gymnastics, uh, worrying about a math test. In 10 years, your child, that's not gonna be any concern anymore. In 10 years, you're still gonna care about whether or not your child is or is not following Jesus. So we need to start prioritizing. Put what matters most where it matters most. Stop pushing out God for everything else that's more urgent and say, God, we're gonna build our life as if you were the most important thing and then go do it. Amen. Lastly, here's what I just wanna close with. Real quick invitation for us. Number one, not one word I've said today matters if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ, the King of glory, came down from heaven, came to earth, died on the cross that you might be born again. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, I would just implore you, would you ask him today? 
You can, you can pray and say, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins and give me a new heart? If that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you, but I'll be right down here after service. Discipleship cannot begin until you have a relationship with Jesus. And then secondly, I just wanna simply do this. For those of us who, can I just be honest, you are like me. That this parenting thing is hard. And to be honest, you don't ever know if you're getting it right or not. But you know that the word of God says you're supposed to be diligent, you're supposed to be consistent, and you're supposed to be focused. And you wanna commit to do that this morning. Here's what I wanna do. I just wanna open up this altar. I know it looks like a stage, it's an altar. You can come down here, get down on your knees, and say, say God, I wanna be these things. I wanna teach my family that you are the most important thing. Would you do that this morning? And let's just humbly come before God and say, God, we're gonna make families that are revolving around you and nothing else. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I pray that you would honor the foolish ramblings of a man this morning. God, I, Lord, your word is the only thing that doesn't return void. And dear God, your commandment has gone out that we should teach these things diligently to our children. When we walk by the way, when we rise, when we lie down, dear God, that this should be the focus of our lives. And God, I pray that it would be that. God, if I can just be honest, I pray that you would forgive me Father, when this is not the reality in my heart, in my home, or in my life. And God, I just pray that you would be the central thing in our lives so that nothing else matters if you're not number one. Would you do that today? Would you turn us toward you in an even greater way? In Jesus' name.